Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you, I'm going to shut it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you're running straight downhill. You know where we're coming. And we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside. The doctor is now in. The beast is alive and well. Who will be the beast on Sunday? We will find out. Glad to have you with us. Thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Along with VGK Ballpark Perfectly Frank, Numchuck on the other side of the proverbial glass. Not proverbial, it actually is glass. And yes, we get ready, we're counting it down. Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 55. A lot to do. We'll continue our preview of the big game. Trevor Madge will join us, the 15-time Emmy Award winner from ESPN. Also does a great job of working and covering with the Washington football team as well, too. So we'll get Trevor Madge's prediction. No one better than the X's and O's getting the M&M's out on his uh, his bedspread there, moving them all around. You know, that's a real story. I don't know if you know that. We joke about that a lot. But when uh, we did Trevor's uh, induction to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, he would talk about how he would get ready for games. And he was an M&M freak. And he would take you know his playbook and... He would dump all these different M&Ms. It was like a routine that he'd get like, you know, five or six packs of M&Ms. And then that's what he'd do. He'd diagram on his, when he's sitting on his bed, on his bedspread there, and uh, go over the formations with different colored M&Ms. So did he ever make an exception to that? Like you mentioned who's going to be in beast mode. Well, when Marshawn Lynch played, did he throw a Skittle in for that M&M or did he always Good use M&Ms? Good question. We can, we can ask him that today. There you, you go. <laughs> These are the kind of questions you don't just get anywhere. That's, this is true. And, and, and fortunately or maybe unfortunately for some people, you get an abundance of them right here daily. There you have it. All right. There you go. Paul Stewart. People still talking about Paul Buck Power Stewart from yesterday's show. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to yesterday's interview, I got to say, it's probably a must-listen. That conversation yesterday uh, on yesterday's show up on uh, the website at tcmartinshow.com and and hour number two to kick off the hour. But uh, great guy. We we might have to have this guy on a regular basis, but I don't know if he can stay up this late. Well, I mean, you know, if there's a reason to stay up, I, I, I think he can probably handle it, you know, and you use him sparingly here and there. Maybe a Friday's better. He mentioned getting up for work. May, if he has Saturday off, maybe Friday's once in a while would be a good time to have him on. Or yeah. can, I'm sure you can you know, negotiate that. But, again, he, he's not just the Buccaneer guy, as we found out. He's, right. He was watching hockey games yesterday. He was watching the Rays play. So he's like Mr. Tampa Bay from the U.K. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from jolly old England, Paul Stewart joined us yesterday. Just amazing how... Again, if you go back and listen to the interview, but a guy that was a Buccaneers fan, started a fan club, then launched a website. And what did he say? It was like him and a couple other guys. He said like five or six people. Yeah, five or six people. And now it's ballooned over a million. A million, yeah. Unbelievable. So 
Yeah, a lot well, of fun having that guy. Also, it does show one other thing. He, we know he's a very loyal guy without knowing him well. Yeah. Because he said he watched them one game and said, wow, this team is really good, adopted that team, and then they absolutely stunk for 14 right. years, but he still stayed with them from yeah. that one game. He could have easily changed sides, and who right. would have said anything about it if he did? But honestly, isn't that how we all became sports fans? I can speak for myself because, you know, I'm a loyalist, a traditionalist to a fault, get upset when teams change uniforms and all that kind of stuff. Well, you but, must hate it today then. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I really do. Because <laughs> there's, there's new uniforms for every other game. But I talk about it all the time, too. We, you and, and I think you're on the same page oh, yeah. to, a good, to a certain degree as well. But it takes me back, and I brought it up yesterday, just how I started. I wasn't a soccer fan at all. I mean, I was the big three, and that's all I, I was. Well, not all, but, you know, baseball, football, basketball. I did like tennis. And, again, back in those days when, you know, things would be on television, wide world of sports, CBS Sports Spectacular, I got into tennis, I got into bowling, I got into golf, all that stuff, but never soccer because just soccer wasn't part of where I grew up. It was never part of it. I mean, it was, you played football, you didn't play soccer, but I could appreciate it. And then soccer, I was flipping the channels one day as a 10-year-old kid, and I see soccer made in Germany, and I go, what the heck is this? And there really wasn't much on, you know, on Saturday at 4 four in the afternoon or something, and I got into it, and the first team that I saw was Borussia Mönchengladbach. And I became a Gladbach fan, and still to this day, and a German fan, a German national fan. So really that is identical to Paul Stewart. Same thing growing up in Sacramento, and I, I saw the Packers play the 49ers. And then my dad took me to a game, and I saw, you know, Oh, look at these guys. Bart Starr. Look at, and we, I knew the history about these guys, and like they got some cool uniforms. And then you see a game of the week at Lambeau Field. That's my team. Same thing with the Cubs. Wrigley Field. You know, going to see Giants play the Cubs, and then you see the Saturday game of the week, right? You see the Ivy? Cubs are my team. So I can totally relate to what this guy is saying. No, I can understand that, too. And I guess it's maybe it's a little bit different, too. Like you said, you grew up in Sacramento where they didn't have a, a bunch of an abundance of – professional sports teams yeah, we had to go to san francisco yeah you know, so or oakland because in chicago it's like almost all the people i knew were chicago fans right whether it's bears blackhawks you know cubs or Sox. right not both people that say they're north both or south don't yep. really care that much yep. about either is what they're basically saying they're just cheering for the city but yeah it was different the, the one team that i didn't gravitate to towards was the baseball because i i've never been a big american league fan especially once the dh started and my brother, Bob, was a huge Cubs fan. We were at that age where we had the animosity going. He was like a year and a half older than me, and I was just getting to you know feel my roots in that and feel a little bit so like... So whatever he to... liked, you didn't like it. Yeah. Whether it was food, movies, yeah, and sports. That, that's why I became, right. I, I became a Cardinal fan, just to make him mad. <laughs> and we would fight. And now, back again... I'm dating myself a little bit, but I don't care. Me too. I, I, did, I did the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm an old man. You know, the Cardinals had Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. They were yeah. they were competing for World Series, right? And the Cubs were flopping every year right. with the June swoon and that. So yeah. so yeah, but that, that but otherwise it, it was all Chicago teams for me. Makes so, you sense. know, I didn't yeah. go all over the place. But then when I would see tennis players or something like. I loved Bjorn Borg. He was my favorite tennis player. You know, uh, when I was in high school, people, what do you, in fact, middle school, I started growing my hair longer, parting it in the middle, wearing a headband and the wristbands and that. Unfortunately, my temperament on the court wasn't like it. It was more like Illy Nassasi or John McEnroe to right. some other people out there. Right. I, I actually once broke four rackets in one day, but. Not, uh, 
Just, everything you just told me and told our audience in the last two minutes, uh, did you ever seek counseling? You know, you ever seek counseling for all this stuff? I mean, going against your brother, picking a team opposite your brother, breaking tennis rackets, you know? You were just a bit, you, were, you were the original bad boy before the Detroit Pistons. Well, yeah, Are you crazy? But, but again, you have to realize, too, and, and I understand a lot of people need a lot of help, and they should seek it, and they should get it in that. I wouldn't have done that because back then I would have felt it was a sign of weakness. When I got yeah. mad at somebody, I would try to find somebody to get in a fight with. Yeah, I, I, was, I was not – people think I'm angry now and I have anger management issues. When I was a kid, I was kind of an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> Two things on that. Kind of, and as a kid, has anything changed? I mean, you're still wearing your hair the same. And again, you know, totally jealous of, of you for keeping all your hair. You're still part in the middle. You wear it long like Ilya Nastasi, like you talk about. So there you go. I think something's never changed. And from what I hear, uh, see, the last uh, sporting event that you were watching in, a, in public domain, you were a little bit uh, saucy uh, as well, too. So I don't think anything's changed. Well, no, no, I, I don't seek fights anymore. <laughs> I'm not looking for that kind of stuff. And, and again, the one thing I will say is, like, I, I never try to pick on somebody smaller than me. In fact, I never try to pick on somebody at all. What I would seek in a fight, uh, I would look for somebody else to, like, bully somebody younger or smaller or something like that. And those were the people that I would actually kind of stick up for in that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I try to do it on a, on a higher moral ground or whatever. But, yeah, but I, I definitely never backed away from confrontation or whatever. Yeah. Really? Why is everybody always picking on me? So, yeah. I mean, again, people didn't necessarily pick on me, but... but yeah, No, you picked on them. But you also have to remember... To, but, you know, I also had a lot of... Not that this is my counselor here on the air, yeah. but... Please, uh, Frank, I, lay down here. I, I, lay on the I, couch. I was Put also, your feet up. I've also been supporting my family since I was 12 years old. Because yeah. my dad had some medical problems, and he had a gambling problem in that. So when I was 12, my dad said... Hey, I'm about to go to jail for some problems with uh, taxes and stuff like that. You kids are all going to be separated everywhere else. So my childhood was over. I had a paper route. We mowed lawns. We shoveled driveways. All the money we made was going to pay the rent and keep the lights on and keep a roof over our heads. So, you know, so some of that other stuff on the side, that was how I got a lot of my anger in that out. Relax, Frank. Put your head up. Put a cold compress on. Dim the lights. Don't stay up late at night watching all of that violent television that you do. Or whatever, or even episodes of the Partridge Family. Violent television. Last, they've canceled. Frank, all the, relax, please. They've canceled all the the cold complex. The tune-up tournaments for for the Australian Open have been canceled because one person had COVID. Medication. I was angry please. last night. Medication for Frank, please, in bed number seven over there. And relax, SWAT, my friend. SWAT and FBI have been reruns this week Find because they're getting the ready for happiness. The, there Frank, is no happiness. Find the happiness in life, Frank. Show me the shows I want to see. At your old age, Frank. IDTV Before needs more new episodes. Before you croak, Frank. Like you nearly did three years ago. We're glad to have you back, back Frank. So just relax. Enjoy your latter years. Because it could be gone in a snap of a finger at any time. We wish you well, my friend. Take a deep breath. Not too deep of a breath, though. And relax. And enjoy. And have some fun, damn it! I have some fun once in a while. <laughs> By the way, that's why you're called the doctor, but you're not actually one, okay? Don't hey. be hanging that shingle outside the studio There here. it is. But I did stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, the media days are over. The Chiefs and the Buccaneers are now being sequestered to their hotels, even though Kansas City is still in Kansas City. They're not going to be flying to Tampa till Saturday. But uh, the media obligations are done. They're shut down, and most players and coaches are saying, thank goodness that we don't have to deal with this anymore. But 
to be fair, they got off easy this year. They, you know, the media day traditionally is the circus. It's a nightmare. You got to put up with the, you know, the the producers and the sidekicks from the late night talk shows. You've got the international media going crazy. Can't understand half the questions. Don't they're not sports related. So I know it just drove a lot of these guys nuts. So they didn't have to to really deal with that. The media definitely is scaled back for Super Bowl 55 on, on Sunday. So they're done. But Roger Goodell had his State of the Union press conference, which he has every time at this year. And I know Goodell gets up to that podium and he's, he's cringing because, you know, there are a lot of people that this is their one shot to ask him a question or take a pot shot or lead in a different direction. And I'll say that this guy has handled all of these press conferences very, very well. Well, today, again, they got through this season with the pandemic, which nobody thought that they, that they probably would do. And, and they did. And they did a fantastic job. But what happens? Instead of people like, I don't want to say praising him or just talking about what the NFL d- did this year, the questions start coming left and right about, well, uh, what are you going to do about you know minority owners? Uh, what are you going to do about black head coaches? There still isn't enough. And he pointed out, hey, we had seven openings. We just hired two of, uh, you know, filled it with two minority candidates. Most of the time, there's zero. Sometimes there's a lot of times there's one. So two out of seven, it's not a high percentage. But then again, what do people want? Do they want six out of seven, five out of seven, four out of seven, the majority? Is, is that going to be the thing where it gets people off of this? And I just feel that, okay, it's a topic. But it's really not the topic. And, and again, they should be commended for filling two of those seven positions because in years past, it, it wouldn't happen. And they did it. But people are ripping him and ripping the National Football League for only having two out of seven. Then he points goes, hey, we've made plenty of advances in the front office. You know, we've got, we've got owners now that, that are African-American. So let's, you know, he's not saying, hey, let, let's talk about that and turn it. He's just, he's being very professional, but I don't understand it. And I know people will hear me and saying, oh, well, you're, you're not for it. Absolutely not. Hear what I'm saying, that they are making strides, making advances, but you shouldn't be ripping a guy. If it was zero for seven, then you say, okay, this isn't getting any better. But kudos for these teams going with minority coaches. Well, and again, like you mentioned, in the past, how many times did we hear that they were only even interviewing one because they had to? Mm-hmm. It was just a courtesy thing. It's like, okay, let's get this over with and now bring the white coach that we want on. It's not that way anymore. And I know some people are upset. Well, how is Enemy still not a head coach? Well, somebody didn't feel that it was the right time for him. And again, he's still working right now, too. Yeah. So there were, you know, there's other obstacles and hurdles for that kind of stuff if you want to get the coach hired. How about also the fact you mentioned there's black owners now in the league. We have a woman coaching in the league. Mm-hmm. We have a woman refereeing in this Super Bowl and that. So there's been other things, too. But people want to dwell on the negative because that's what gets headlines. That's what gets stories. That's what people want to talk about. Let's not praise anybody or give them credit for what they're doing. Let's still bitch and moan and complain about things that aren't being done because that, unfortunately, is the nature of most 
people, or at least the media thinks it is because that was, that's what they constantly present out there over and over and over. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And when you look at, uh, you know, what, what transpired today at, at the press conference, again, it just, you know, let's talk about what they did for the good. And all those things are good. The advancements are, are happening. And I'll say this. You got to hire the best person for the job. And there is enough pressure on these general managers, these team presidents and owners to hire a minority candidate, even if they are not the best candidate for the job. And, and to be fair, how many of the minority candidates have turned out to be successful head coaches? They end up getting fired. They don't get fired because they're a minority. They're not getting fired because of the color of their skin. They're getting fired just like the white coaches are for not winning enough or not handling situations properly. So, again, I know you, at some point in time you got to take the, 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 the color out of it, and nobody wants to take the color out of it. You hire the best person for the job. And as far as Eric Bieniemy goes, here's a guy that has been uh, interviewed for numerous head coaching jobs over the last few years. But I'll tell you why Eric Bieniemy didn't doesn't have a job as a head coach going next year because he is with the Kansas City Chiefs and that window is limited when you can interview him. You have right. a very small window because the only time the, the window you have to, to interview a guy that's on a the, the best team in the league record-wise is that bye week. That's it. And I think he went on four or five interviews. The Houston Texans said, ah, man, we missed the boat. We want to interview him. But they said, we'll interview him once they lose. Well, they haven't lost. And these teams do not want to wait until after the Super Bowl to have a head coach in place because the head coach has got to hire assistant coaches. You have to start prepping for the draft and all of that. And some of these teams don't have general managers. they got new general managers that were just hired. So there's a lot going on here. And some teams do not want to wait. Think about it. Once the season's over to the Super Bowl, you're talking about a five- to six-week process. Some teams do not want to wait that long. Houston Texans have been without a head coach for, you know, going on three months because they let their head coach go, you know, in the middle of the season. So that's why he's not getting a job. If the Kansas City Chiefs were eliminating the first round or didn't make the playoffs, I will guarantee you Eric Bieniemy would have a head coaching job. He very well might. And the other thing, too, the danger in that when people say, well, if you want Bieniemy, then you just wait it out and you do wait that little longer. What if the other choice, okay, Biennemi is on your short list. It's between him and somebody else. Meanwhile, you're waiting for Biennemi because you want to interview him again, but you're still not sold on him. And then that other choice that you had, maybe he gets somebody else's job. If you have somebody there that you can get now and you still have to wait for the other one that you're still not sure about, you have to go with the safe one, like you said, for all those safeguards of the timing of it, getting ready. You have the draft coming up. The combines are coming up. There's a lot of things going on. And by the way, I don't know if people remember or not, it's kind of a crazy college football season. It's a little bit more difficult to assess the talents out there. You have free agency coming up. When you speak about the Houston Texans, they have no idea. Forget about who the coaches and GMs and that are. They don't know who's going to be on the field for them. Right. Is J.J. Watt going to be there? Is Sean Watson going to be there? What's going to happen here and there? So, yes, yeah, sometimes it's just the way that it is, and that's how you have to play it out. It It doesn't always work out maybe perfectly, but – if you don't hire somebody today, they might not be available tomorrow. And then what if in your next interview with the enemy, you go, you know, we're really not on the same page and this isn't going to work. Then where do you go? Plan C? 
Nobody wants to go to plan C or below if they don't have to. Yeah. And see, I think that the NFL has done a, a great job of, of hiring minority coaches. They, could it be more? Of course it could be more. But again, you, you can't just say, okay, whatever the number is right now, that you know, it's you know, 65% or, of, of the players are, are African-Americans, so therefore you know, 65 or 70% of the coaches should be as well too, or the general managers, et cetera. I mean, again, they are getting opportunities. Okay, Some do very well. Others don't do well. But you can say the exact same thing for Caucasian head coaches and general managers as well, too. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be – I still don't know anyone who has been fired from a head coaching position or a front office job because they're black. We, we've actually heard – and again, this isn't my opinion. This is what some people say out there. There's been instances where some people think that coaches have lasted longer because they didn't want to fire a black head that coach is, for, for the adverse – publicity in that that it would be correct it, it, it how long ago was it remember the big news when the Colts and Bears played in the Super Bowl that two black head coaches were going head to head right right hey, we know a black head coach is going to win the Super Bowl because there's two of them in the game right right so yeah it's it, it's just one of these unfortunate things where again uh, a lot of people whether they're fans or media they're going to accentuate the negative and uh, that's the feeling I got, you know, when I, when I heard this today and, and watched a little bit of, uh, of the press conference. And again, nobody, you talk to anyone in the NFL from a player's side, a coach's side that went through this grind, they didn't think that they were going to have, make it through a full season. Everybody thought that. College football coaches, I mean, our guys on our show, you know, Trevor Maddich said it, Houston Nuts said it. They didn't think, hey, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. And lo and behold, it happened. They didn't miss one game. Sure, we had a couple of postponements. We had to play a couple Tuesday night games or a Wednesday game, that sort of thing. Little rescheduling, a little rescheduling. hiccups and speed bumps along the way. But right. the bottom line is, they took the proper detours and they got through it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that should have been the focus and the highlight. And it'll be interesting to watch the broadcast on Sunday and to see how much of that is talked about as well, too. Because you know, we're in a pandemic. The fans, not, not seeing fans in the stands, I mean, man, that, that, that's a downer for, for people. We're going to see fans in the stands at the Super Bowl, but still, it's not going to be the same thing. You're going to have 22,000. How many hardcore fans are you really going to have there? I, I don't know. I mean, what, 7,500 are going to be you know, first responders, which is great. That they're doing that. But you know what you're going to see? You're, I, I heard a couple days ago that now they have like twenty to 25,000 cardboard cutouts. Yeah, I think it's actually even more than that. Maybe even more than that, right? Because they're expecting over 50,000 or something like that with people and the cardboard cutout. So that's more like 30,000 then. Yeah, and and, and it's it's $100 for a cardboard cutout. Now, I don't know if they then send that to and you get to keep it, saying that you're at the Super Bowl or whatever. You know, like, I I guess I could see it if you got a ton of money. Why not? But I've never understood the whole cardboard cutout thing. I don't know how they're going to... Decide, okay, well, what say? Do you, do you pay more for your cardboard cutout if it's way down low as opposed to up in the in the euchre seats or something? Well, but, I'm sure all the cardboard cutouts are not, they're going to be in the second or third deck. They're, they're going to be because, again, you're going to have 22,500, whatever that number is, and they're going to, I would think, bring them down. They're going to spread them out. So you're going to want that. 
So I, I don't know. Again, I just want to know if people are going to be picking them up like they did at the last couple games, like at Lambeau and that kind of stuff. If people are going to use the cardboard cutouts to become noisemakers and take a cardboard cutout next to them and start banging the seat to them or something, making some noise. I don't think that's going to happen. But you know, the cardboard cutout thing, you know, baseball really started that. And they thought, okay, here's the thing. And I know why a lot of fans, because I know some fans that, that did that with some of the clubs. And they did it because, okay, I'm, I'm going to pay and I'm going to watch the game and I might see myself on TV. And that's why they did it. So, but these, it's true. But these people with the Super Bowl, they're not going to see themselves. They're not going to be cutting the cardboard cutouts during the Super well, no, Bowl. No, no, and, and that's, why I'm, saying, deck, that's you know? what I'm saying, especially right. with how they distribute where they're going to be positioned in that. Yeah. And then you see some people with multiple cardboard cutouts. And then the network started getting it. Remember the Maui Invitation, which wasn't in Maui this year, it was in North Carolina? <laughs> right. How many different cardboard cutouts of Bill Walton did they have in that damn yeah. thing? <laughs> they, they showed six of them every game. Here's Bill and his uh, yes. doing a luau. Here's taking a Mai Tai. Here he's uh, did everything except for what he was really doing up well, in smoke. But, it, uh, <laughs> it, it was an ESPN event, so they're going to promote no, no, their but, own. And I get that, but right, I mean, right, but right. I mean, and you see that all the time, and it's like, oh, and here's the legend section for, I mean, even UNLV has former players in this and the other. And I get it. Why not do it? I mean, it's I, I guess I get it from that resp- aspect of it, but... You know, and that's what I don't know. It's like, can you buy multiple cardboard cutouts? Oh, sure. Are, are, I, oh, yeah. You know, are all your cardboard cutouts sit in the same section so that they don't infect the other cardboard cutouts in another section? Or are you spread all over the stadium? Yeah. I don't know how all that works because I'm not paying $100 to not see me on TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's where it, it started with baseball. Then, you know, you saw it slowly but surely. You saw it in the NBA and... I guess I, I, and at least it does go to a worthy charity. I, I know yeah. it's helping. Uh, I believe it's Food Bank of Tampa Bay and then for some the, other charities for the Super Bowl. That, yes. Yeah, for the Super Bowl one. And and again, most of these places do that where they do put a a good amount of money. I've read someplace that it's a hundred percent of the money for the Super Bowl. Now I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. but so again, it, it is. If you have the money, and maybe some people are doing it for, I'm going to get a cardboard cutout and a tax write off. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's cool from that respect, but. I hope that people aren't doing it going, oh, now watch for me on TV. I'm in section 302 in the, in the, in the you know, right. the, the second end zone or something. It's, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, but, yeah, for, for baseball, that's one of the reasons. And uh, I, I really don't know of really any charities or many charities. I'm not going to say that, that all the teams are, are doing it to, to raise money, but I believe that most of the teams are doing it to offset some of the costs because they can't get concession you know, money anymore. And of course, you know, the players aren't taking any less. So that was a way to drive revenue, even though we know major league baseball teams get a ton of their money, a big percentage of the money from the TV deals, which the TV deals stayed in place. I've also heard some stories that some people will buy a cardboard cutout and they'll take a picture of a friend or maybe somebody who's not a real good friend. And they'll take the worst picture they can find of them and then have that put on the cardboard cutout so that that's what's seen or whatever. Like, here's a really bad picture of. (laughs) Yeah. And we see a lot of the teams that, again, just because they put up a cardboard cutout doesn't mean they're getting money from fans because we see them put former players and and other celebrities and that sort of thing. I mean, that Dodger Stadium was famous, you know, for them. We joked with Steve Sachs. Hey, I think I saw you in in the third row, you know, you know, back there. You know, behind Larry David or something. But, yeah, I don't know. So we're going to see cardboard cutouts. Uh, hopefully we don't. Hopefully we don't. Now, maybe from the, the wide shot or the overhead shot, it'll look like, oh, okay, there, there's fans there. But, yeah, let's, let's focus on the game. Let's focus on the fans that actually are there, those fans that are paying $12,000 a ticket to sit in the lower bowl at Raymond James Stadium. I mean, I guess if you're going to pay money to get a, a fat head of a player that you want to put on your wall or something like that, why not pay 100 bucks to get a 
cardboard cutout fathead basically of yourself. Yeah, that's it. And say, hey, he was at the Super Bowl. You weren't. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. That was, was me, I, actually. That was, that. that was me. <laughs> All right. Trevor Maddich is going to join us. We start breaking it down, talk a little bit more. Kansas City, Tampa Bay on Sunday. The 15-time Emmy Award winner, we'll talk with him. Next hour, we'll talk to Chuck Esposito from Sunset Station. From the betting angle, more big bets uh, coming in. And the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, uh, we'll talk to him about some NBA and, of course, uh, get some Super Bowl takes on him as well, like uh, our crossover athletes, of course. Uh, they're fans, and they follow this uh, as well. So we'll, we'll get the big seven-footer's thoughts as well, too. It is a Thursday. It's T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank. Don't you dare go anywhere. <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, plenty of Super Bowl talk as we look forward to Sunday, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers breaking it down like nobody else. We're talking about our guy, Trevor Maddich, the 15-time Emmy Award winner. Fantastic job on the college side, of course, with ESPN. The NFL side, of course, with the Washington football team. Trev, what's going on, my man? Hey, TC. Uh, it's finally here, right? Can you believe it? <laughs> this guy sounds drained. He he goes through an entire college football season. He doesn't sleep during uh, the whole the college football playoff, the championship game. He gets like a, a week or two maybe to chill a little bit. Then here we go. It's Super Bowl time. Seriously, are, are the requests lined up as heavily as, as they would be for uh, the college football playoff and championship game for a Super Bowl for you? Well, there's a lot going on, you know, and, and in between, uh, you know, everybody's got their issues to deal with. But in between, between my wife and I, we've had uh, orthopedic surgeries and rehab and follow-up appointments and everything else, including two today. So it's uh, it's been that kind of a it's been that kind of a week. So I'm just glad that we're here at the Super Bowl, um, and and we're here. Yes, and despite the best efforts of COVID. Despite the best efforts of the Chiefs barber, it looks like we're actually going to have a Super Bowl when when we entered the season back in August, September. We were wondering if we'd even have a season at all. This is true. and You were very vocal about it. And if you talk to any NFL player or coach that, that went through this grind, they said the same thing. They all pretty much said, you know, I – I didn't think we'd make it. I don't know if we're going to make it. They said, you know, during the course of, of this time, but, and they did. And I was talking about this in the first segment, Trevor, and we'll get your take real quick. You know, Roger Goodell held his State of the Union press conference today like he traditionally does at this point in time. And he should be commended, not just him, but just everybody in the NFL for getting through this. Because we've seen other leagues you know, either just not even attempt or shut down. We've seen other ones go with reduced schedules, but the NFL fought their way through it to a lot of opposition from some people out there, but they did it. I think they did a great, a great job and not sure that they are getting a whole bunch of credit today. Yeah. And you know, they should. And part of the thing they had to do is when teams like the Steelers and the Titans had issues with COVID either themselves or their opponent, they had to shuffle around and, and mix games and match games and move games from Monday to the following Tuesday to then Thursday and then back to Tuesday. All kinds of weird stuff in order to get the schedule in. And as it turns out, you know, just like with college football, when we finally got to the end of the NFL football season, we had a, a legitimate playoff 
stable of teams, and we've got the two best teams in the league in the Super Bowl. And so just like in college, that COVID did not interfere with the best teams getting to the final. It didn't interfere here in the NFL either. And the, the way that Roger Goodell, the way that the NFL, the league, handled the balls that were they were juggling to make it work, and the way that the teams, for the most part, with a couple of notable exceptions, did not do knucklehead things and kept themselves in the running, I think is an astonishing thing that will be studied for the next pandemic. And you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs barber. We touched upon that story a little bit yesterday, and just to reset it again, uh, we found out a little bit more information today. So, and you know, obviously you've been around the, the NFL facilities at yourself. There's a lot of people that come and go, whether it's, it's staff members, it's caterers, it's delivery people, barbers, uh, you know, bringing in to, to cut players and coaches' hair. And, uh, you know, we, the barber was, uh, you know, it tested positive. And the moment the Chiefs got this notice, they just halted everything basically in mid-cut. There was 20 players that were in line, including Patrick Mahomes, to get his hair cut here. And the Chiefs called a halt to the bout. Luckily, the couple players that were in question that we, we talked about uh, yesterday they're okay. They've got to continue to go through the protocol. More likely that they will get a chance to play and you know backup wide receiver and a backup center. But that's good news. But how crazy is this story? No, it is ultra crazy, and we still don't have all the information. I want to know how the barber got it. Now we know that you can do everything right and still get the virus. Everybody that gets the virus is not a knucklehead. Matter of fact, most people aren't knuckleheads in my experience that have gotten it they got it and they don't even know how and they didn't do anything wrong but i'd be interested to know if the barber went to a party at a bus station and was looking doorknobs uh, for entertainment right and if that was the case well then we have a different issue that's a bit of a knucklehead thing i'd like to know i really would if the barber was a knucklehead before he came into this i mean really he should have hermetically sealed himself inside his own refrigerator with air holes cut in it for the two weeks before he went to cut the Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs hair before the game. So I want to know that part of it. But also I want to know why he started to cut hair when there was a test pending and the result came in while he was cutting hair. Right. Why couldn't they have waited long enough for the test result to come in? Because now they're, they're backup center uh, and they're – um, a receiver named Demarcus Robinson, who's got 45 catches, I think, right. in the regular season. So he's not a little used guy. He's actually an important part of that offense as a, you know, a checkdown uh, when the other guys are drawing too much attention from defenders. He's kind of an important guy. And so the backup center is Daniel Kilgore. Right now they're on the reserve COVID-19 list, meaning they cannot play. Now, if they have five consecutive negative tests, then they can play. And so I, I'm guessing that they will have that because I'm guessing that everybody, including the barber, was wearing a mask at the time. And so, but they will have missed all that practice heading into the Super Bowl. So if either one of those guys is called on to do a lot, they won't be as up to speed as the other guys having missed at least five sessions of practice. So that's a, that's a crazy thing, too. So I really want to know more about the details of how all this worked out and if the barber did anything that put the players at greater risk than they should have been. Well, what I want to know, Trevor, with the breaking news of Trevor Maddox there, something you said earlier, what do you know about licking doorknobs? I, I don't know. Is that, is that a BYU thing? I mean, what, what, what's, where was that? That's not a Sacramento thing. Tell me what Trevor Maddox knows about licking doorknobs. 
Well, I think I, I, rumor has it that it's actually a thing of BYU's rivals, oh. which shall go unnamed. But uh, I have never actually seen it done because I don't go to the kinds of parties where barbers might lick doorknobs. I just think that if it did happen, it would probably be a risky behavior in the age of COVID and probably otherwise. Let's be perfectly clear, too. Trevor Maddich, a great uh, set of uh, cut of hair, great head of hair, Trevor Maddich. How you keep that thing uh, intact the way you do? I mean, kudos. I don't know if it's your personal barber or what the deal is. Uh, very nice, my friend. Uh, TC, I'm just genetically gifted. <laughs> what can I say? I wake up in the morning and my hair is so luxurious, rolling out of bed. It's like, wow. Yeah, he, he I has, just spend a few minutes looking at myself in the mirror, you know. Yeah, he has problems walking occasionally. He'll, you know, a couple, you know, a half a dozen surgeries or so during his career. But that head of hair, marvelous. Yeah, well, yeah. That, you know, I, I kind of would trade a little bit of my hairline for uh, a few orthopedic upgrades, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, you got what you got. You know, I can I can limp to the mirror and smile. Yeah. Other people jog to the mirror and frown. So you got to pick what you want. <laughs> nice. By the way, I think licking, I think God, licking, I sound like such a jerk. <laughs> I think licking doorknobs is a uh, one of the bands that uh, Numchuk is going to see. I think he's got one of their T-shirts here. But uh, but but in all seriousness, <laughs> that's fantastic! What a great band name that would be. I love it. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, with the fact that, you know, that this hap did happen with the barber and at least they caught it when, you know, before the bigger names or more people at least got uh, there. Are you even a little bit surprised that we haven't seen more of this when you really take into account all the people that have been in these facilities with the people that are in housekeeping, the people that are bringing food to people every day, all the practice facilities, a lot of things. Even though they're quarantined, there are still interactions with other people out there with barbers, with food servers, with food preparers and that kind of stuff. I mean, in a way, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of, you know, knock on wood good that something like this hasn't happened in a different realm and gotten bigger. Yeah, it, you know, it seems like the the people that do the right things are the ones that tend to get it. And some of the people who have done egregious knucklehead stuff haven't gotten it, at least as far as I know. So I don't think there's any rhyme or reason in the universe, at least that I can identify, as to people that should get it and shouldn't get it and who actually does get it. I mean, I look at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they were shut down by the league earlier in the season for, because of COVID stuff. So they went on their own. They were supposed to go into their facility. They were supposed to practice. They went on their own to a local high school, and they held a practice just the players, right? When the league told them, and the league almost sanctioned them, it was a huge deal at the time. Now, it turned out that there were no positive tests traced back to that practice, so they got away with it, but that was a knucklehead thing to do. And then, famously, Washington football team, uh, young quarterback Dwayne Haskins lost his job for not working hard enough, and he ended up getting uh, fined by the team for breaking COVID protocol in October. Then he got fined again in December for breaking COVID protocol, this time $40,000 for partying without a mask. He thought he would get away with both. Turns out he got caught. I don't know how many other times he did get away with something like this, but if I'm a teammate of his, I am, I'm going to throw him out the door so far he won't land until Pennsylvania because He's putting my availability and my health and my family's health at risk by sneaking around doing stuff like that because it's, it's an idiot thing. And his coach had cancer. 
Mm-hmm. Ron Rivera was having chemo treatments during halftime of a lot of the Washington football team games this year. And Dwayne Haskins was fined twice for violating COVID protocol. And they ended up releasing the guy, which right. they had to do. But as far as I know, there were no positives within the team because of that. And as far as I know, Haskins did not test positive. At least it hasn't been reported. And so guys that, you know, deserve it, don't have it happen. And maybe that barber just got it from something that he didn't deserve. So I, I don't know. I'd like to be mad at people, but I'm, I'm having trouble fingering people, you know, pointing a finger at people. And I would, boy, would I, if they did something stupid and then gave COVID to somebody because of that. But I just don't know that this barber did. He is Trevor Maddich, ESPN, talking a little Super Bowl as we get ready for Super Bowl 55 on Sunday. Most intriguing matchup for you, because you are the matchup guy. You are the guru when it comes to looking at all these X's and O's. Give me the one or two matchups that really intrigue you the most. You know, first of all, it is Tom Brady against the the Kansas City Blitz. Kansas City blitzes a lot from the secondary, from depth. So they'll bring corners, they'll bring safeties. Tyron Matthew from LSU, the Honey Badger, is a guy you have to know where he is on every play because he'll play he'll play at the linebacker positions, short safety, deep safety, corner, all kinds of different places, and he'll blitz from any of those places. And the corners and safeties of Kansas City are very good at getting home with the blitz. There's a lot of guys that look good while they're blitzing, but then they end up, you know, getting getting you know they whiff. The quarterback gives a little move, it's Olay, and by they go and it's all for not. They're good at finishing the sacks when they blitz. Here's the thing. Of all quarterbacks that have ever been in the NFL, the hardest guy to fool on a blitz is who? Tom Brady. That's what he excels at. And so I'm interested to see how much Kansas City will bring those secondary guys on blitzes in this game and how successful they might be. Because they better get home and they better get there fast because they can't count on fooling Brady with the blitz. That is one of the matchups that I'm looking for. You know, uh, by the way, I do like it when you said that Haskins, that you throw him out the door until he hits Pennsylvania, and then he ends up going to Pittsburgh. So that was appropriate yeah. that you mentioned that. But um, <laughs> Yeah, he saved some money on airfare, right? <laughs> right yeah, so, but um, I, I, I wanted to ask this, too, because obviously Mahomes is much more mobile than Brady, but what about that pass rush of Tampa Bay with Mahomes maybe still having some effects of the turf toe and his mobility might not be quite what it is? Do you expect them to maybe test him early on in the game to see exactly how mobile he is? is you know what I, I think they will and that's a great point because when you look at the defensive ends of kansas city the edge rushers jason pierre paul and shaq barrett they combined for 30 quarterback pressures in the three playoff games 10 pressures a game from those two guys now in the nfc championship game uh green bay had lost their all pro left tackle bakhtiari and Jason Pierre-Paul just annihilated the poor backup. Well, guess what happened to Kansas City in their last playoff game? They lost their left tackle. I think they lost their right one, too. I've got to look and see what the situation is there. Either way, they've got a similar situation where there will be guys to exploit on that Chiefs defensive line and or offensive line, and that's important because if they're able to get pressure with those guys off the edge without having to, to bring extra guys, then rushing four or even three, they can move Mahomes off the spot. That allows them to have a spy on him that also could be in coverage for the checkdowns over the middle. That allows them to have more complex coverage downfield. It allows more guys looking at the quarterback if they play zone or matchup zones that allow them to swarm to the ball, 
So when they give up a reception, it doesn't turn into a long run after the catch. And those pressure guys, Pierre Paul and Barrett, those guys are key for Tampa Bay because Mahomes excels where Brady doesn't, and that is physically moving around and buying time outside the pocket and just doing crazy, amazing things because he's so athletic. Brady can't do that stuff. Brady can move around in the pocket a little bit, but that's the extent of it. And so even if they pressure him, I expect Mahomes to be moving around. But that's where that's my thumbs because they can still run a guy at him and bother him. What you don't want to do is let him do things without any pressure at all. And so that pass rush of Tampa Bay is going to be a really interesting thing on a depleted Kansas City offensive line. And that's what I want to hit with you real quick, Trevor. You're the offensive lineman. We know that Kansas City is kind of a patchwork offensive line with the injuries. How much of a factor is that? Or is it maybe not that big a deal because of the weapons Kansas City has and how quickly Mahomes gets the ball out of his hand? You know, I really think that it's the second level of the Tampa defense that's going to determine what's going to happen. Because if you rush three guys, and you have both guys coming off the edge trying to get to the quarterback. In other words, not just trying to squeeze the pocket a little bit and keep him in the pocket. I don't think they'll do that. They'll mix it up. They'll do that sometimes. I mean, they're not going to do just one thing. But I think those guys are going to come after him and then let everything fall apart. Here's the thing. With Devin White at linebacker, that's an interesting guy. He's not a big guy, but he's really fast. I mean, really fast. He's an outstanding blitzer as well. And they can either bring him or – they can have him spy, and as soon as Mahomes ducks underneath one of those defensive ends and comes around the corner a little bit too fast, here comes Devin White. Now, Mahomes is still really good. He'll still make his plays. But if you're Tampa, what do you do? I mean, you got to do something against the guy. You can't just quit. You have to play the game. And he normally, Patrick Mahomes, annihilates everybody, right? But also keep in mind that teams have been able to slow down the Chiefs a little bit this year. I mean, they had seven straight games this year where they only won by a touchdown or less. And so it's not like they've done everything perfectly and nobody can shut them down. Nobody can slow them down. Tampa does have the defensive personnel because of the unique nature of their edge rushers and because of the unique nature of linebacker Devin White. The question is, how will they mix and match what they're doing and how well will Patrick Mahomes adjust? You know, you are the guru of watching game film, always breaking that down more than anybody that I know. How much time would you spend watching this previous matchup? Because this is a rematch from week 13. Right. That's important. But I tell you, I, I don't know that I would be terribly concerned about what happened in that rematch. We saw several rematches sure. in the playoffs. And we didn't see a whole lot of stuff that I think we can, um, that, that we could say was an indicator of what was going to happen just because of the way that the, the changes, the adjustments would happen. And there were adjustments. Now, Kansas City lost that game. Tampa won it by three points. It was a really tight game. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, Tampa lost it by right. three points. The, the Chiefs won it by three points. So that was a tight game. And the Chiefs only scored 27. Brady and, and the offense of the Buccaneers only scored 24. So So what can we learn from that? Well, what we can learn is that neither team really rushed the ball um, all that all that great. They didn't try to rush it that much. They were okay, but not great. So it was a bit of a quarterback duel. When you look at turnovers, it really turned out to the Buccaneers had two turnovers. Chiefs only had one, and that's what it comes down to. Both teams were able to move the ball. The Chiefs moved it better through the air, like a lot better through the air. But even so, I think that was a game where Brady and his guys – uh, weren't what they're going to be in this game. 
I just think that we're not going to be able to learn a whole lot here. I still expect it to be a quarterback duel with two completely different styles, but I don't expect either running game to rip off a lot of yards. To me, the key on the run is which running game can rip off that key play to keep the chains moving on third and seven that you weren't expecting to be a run. That's the kind of a thing. But ultimately, this will be a quarterback duel of two totally different styles. Mahomes won that quarterback duel last time around. I think that Brady, not with stats, but I think Brady with game management will probably have the edge in this one. In the NFC Championship game, we saw Tampa Bay at the end of the first half go for a fourth down play, and then, of course, they got that touchdown at the end of the half, which really seemed to set the tone and get them a little bit of separation. Do you think Arians and Tampa Bay are going to be a little bit more like that in this game where they're going to be more aggressive because they're not going to want to settle for field goals because they might have that feeling that you got to put the ball in the end zone to keep up with that Kansas City offense? Yeah, I think that's the way that they'll see it. I think Arians is Arians has won a Super Bowl as an assistant, right? But I, Tom Brady, he'd be an idiot. The coach, you know, Arians would be would be a, an egregious moron if he did not rely on Tom Brady's experience on how to get a team ready for the Super Bowl, how to get them to peak at the right time during practice. You don't want to peak too soon. Uh, how to how to manage situations in the Super Bowl because it's it's lose and go home. You know, you don't get second chances because this is it. And so when do you go for it and when do you not? I just go back to that Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Rams where neither team was moving the ball. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, Brady starts connecting downfield to Gronkowski, to some other folks. And he ended up scoring the points that won the game by all of a sudden throwing the ball a little bit more vertically. He was throwing Edelman underneath for, you know, first three quarters and Edelman ended up getting the game MVP. And I don't think that, um, he should have. He had a great game, but I think he got so many catches and yards, especially in the first half, because the Rams were backing off and allowing that to happen. And guess how many touchdowns they scored in the first three quarters? I think it was zero, the Patriots. But then in the fourth quarter, Brady had figured out what was going on and what needed to happen and what adjustment needed to happen, and they started to hit the vertical passes. I mean, not 80 yards, but like 20 yards down the field. They moved the ball, and they scored the points to win that game. And so I am thinking that they will go for it when they feel like they need to. But Brady also understands that patience is the ultimate virtue in the Super Bowl, that you can't pull out all the stops and go for broke too early, or you could be reckless enough to make the mistakes that will cost you an opportunity to win it in the fourth quarter. So I think that they went for it because Brady wanted to in that NFC championship game. And I think the Arians will rely a lot on Brady as to when they will go for it and when they will play field position ball and be a little more conservative in order to avoid a potential big mistake in this one. So I'm interested to see that because to me it comes down to maybe the best quarterback to ever play the game. We'll see in Patrick Mahomes in terms of his physical skills and the greatest quarterback at the art of quarterbacking to ever play the game in Tom Brady. And so that is where Brady is going to have to win. And part of that will be picking and choosing when to take the risk and when not to. All right, my man, give us a prediction. Who do you like? Give me a score. Let's hear it. All right. Well, you know, I got my BYU guys on Kansas City, right? Yeah, yeah um, no doubt. Head coach Andy Reid, yep. Daniel Sorensen, yep. safety. I mean, these are good folks. I was so happy when the Chiefs won last year because Andy Reid, his outward persona is just so stoic and measured and controlled and when they won that Super Bowl, he let it all out.
wow. I mean, decades of emotion came flooding out in the space of a couple of minutes. And it just, man, it just still one of my favorite moments in all of sports. Having said that, I think Tampa Bay wins this game. I think it will be because of the ability to degrade the opposing quarterback. I think both quarterbacks are going to make a lot of plays. But I think the Tampa pass rush will be able to degrade the performance of Mahomes more than the Kansas City pass rush will be able to degrade uh, Tom Brady. And there are issues on the Tampa offensive line as well because they've got injuries and coming into the season, or excuse me, into the postseason, uh, one of the weak spots of the offensive line for Tampa was right guard. Well, guess what? Right guard, Alex Kappa, got hurt, and Aaron Stinney, bless his heart, went in and had to play for him. Now, he did well in one of the playoff games. Then the next one against Green Bay, they exploited him. And Chris Jones rushing the ball, defensive tackle for the Chiefs, is going to be right over poor right guard Aaron Stinney. And so I expect there to be a lot of sliding to the right to give him some double team and body presence help and stuff like that. But it's a lot easier to compensate for a guard who's a weak link than it is for a tackle, and especially if you've got two tackles that are weak links. And I think that will be the difference in the game. I pick Tampa. There it is. From the offensive lineman's perspective, honing in on the O-line. I love it. All right, my friend, what's on the menu at the Trevor Manage household? Where are you watching the game? What are we eating on Sunday? Okay. My wife is a master chef. I mean, oh, yeah. master chef. Yes. She is actually a member of a, an ancient society of food connoisseurs, food and wine connoisseurs called the Shenda Rodester. She's one of, there's not that many women in it, and she's one of those. And she has got her 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 ideas of what she's going to do. One of them will be her chicken wings, which are not just ordinary <laughs> chicken wings. You can't eat chicken wings anywhere else without hers. Plus, she makes she makes a pesto chicken pasta that absolutely. I mean, I don't even care what happens in the game. I just want that pesto chicken pasta. So I will have. I will, and then this is no offense to anybody else, yeah. but I will have the best spread for the Super Bowl in the entire United States of America because of my wife. There it is. Exactly. And, and again, does she deliver? Okay, can we put our order in now? What do we have to do? Uh, pick up and go in Nashville, Tennessee? What do we got to do? Oh, yeah, she can ship, but she's not cheap. She will cost you. <laughs> but it'll be worth it. The spread will be uh, – I want pictures, my friend. Okay, I need pictures sent to me on Sunday. Or we got recon- oh, to reconvene next week. On Monday or Tuesday, and, and you've got to break it all down for me. And uh, that's Trevor Maddich probably 10 pounds heavier on Monday, right? Yeah, yeah, on each side. So 20 total. <laughs> all right, brother. Hey, appreciate uh, the knowledge as always. Appreciate the friendship. We'll talk to you real soon, man. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, DC. You too. There it is. All right. Trevor Maddich, the 15-time Emmy Award winner. Uh, does a fantastic job at ESPN on the college football side and also the NFL side as well. The former 12-year veteran on the O-line. The guy played every offensive line position as well. All right. And an Alice Cooper fan as he is. No question as well, too. Happy birthday, Alice. 73 years old today. Wow. 73. And still rocks out. If you have not seen Alice Cooper in concert, go see him. He still puts on a great and, show. And doesn't look a day over what? 80? 80. Yeah, exactly. All right. We got Check Esposito Sunset Station, the big seven footer, Big Bill Cartwright next hour. Don't you dare go anywhere more. TC Martin showing a thunderous Thursday.